Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate with Wendy podcast. I'm going to be here today, of course, with the engineer, Gene, as always. And today we're going to break down kind of something we've already touched on and talked about a little bit in the past, but we're going to hit it again today because some of you may not have heard those podcasts. Okay, so everybody always asks me, Wendy, where do you find the money? Where do I get the financing? How do I do this with no money down? How do I do this without using my own credit? You know, these are all things that are very good questions, but there are a lot of different answers. So I thought that maybe today the best thing to do would be to break down some of those answers. Okay, so we've talked about wholesaling, and if you don't have your own money, how you can wholesale and you can build up enough money. If you do a $5,000 wholesale, you do one here, you do one there, it won't be long before you have the down payment money in order to purchase your own properties. So that's one way. Also, using other people's money. I don't know if we've touched on this a whole lot, but other people's money, private money, hard money, we'll discuss those a little bit today. Most people don't even know what hard money is, what private money is, what any of these lending abilities even... Have you ever heard of any of these, Gene? Nope. (laughs) Okay, so private money is money from, say, um, your Uncle Bob, your friend in the church, somebody that you know pretty well or have as a friend, somebody that you have in your life, or a business person that you know from wherever. This is somebody that you have some sort of personal contact with, generally. A hard money loan is going to be a loan that is not through a bank, just like your Uncle Bob is not through a bank, but it is called hard money because they have more strict, more fees, more more interest, it's shorter terms, it's just a little harder, which is why they call it hard money. Generally, hard money too, you can't extend hard money for more than 12 to 36 months. So if you're talking about buying a house, you know, a stick and mortar house, how on earth are you going to be paying that thing off in one to three years if most people take 15 to 30 to pay one off? So that's something that scares most people. Oh, what am I going to do? And the answer to that, I'll just go ahead and tell you, we won't even wait for a future podcast. It's called you refinance. You wait 12 months, you get 12 on-time payments, and you refinance at a lower interest rate. You rent it out. You get tenants in it. You show the tenants having that payroll that they're paying you now, passive income coming in every so often. You do that for a year or two, guess what? Now you can borrow against it again. Um, So that gives you money. There are other ways to get money too. You can get traditional loans. You can do building your credit. It doesn't matter how low it is. It doesn't matter how, how horrible. You can always start now and you can start building your credit and you can turn it into good enough credit to buy a house in less time than you think. Yeah, it may take a couple of years, but in the meantime, you can hit the tax sales, you can, you know, buy things with cash, you can get private money, you can get hard money, and you can do things in an alternative fashion. Now, another thing people say is, you know, Wendy, where do I find the hard money? If it's someone that, you know, I don't know anybody who's rich, I don't know anybody who has money, I don't go to church, I don't get out often, I'm a hermit, and I don't know anyone. Um, (laughs) How am I going to find, you know, without being able to use someone that I know is private money, how do I find the hard money? And that's an easy question to answer, too. So what I would say to you is start Googling. There's New Silver, there's Lima One, there's lots of places that you can find online 
that are just hard money lenders. There are also some places locally that I know in my area. And again, these are just local hard money lenders. For example, I know a guy who owns a carpet store. I don't know if you've heard me talk about him. We'll talk about him when we talk about building your team. Um, he owns a, a store and he has all types of flooring and he has flooring guys that will come and do whatever flooring job you need done. And they're fabulous and they have the best prices in town. So he also happens to, of course, have some money and he does hard money lending. Now he doesn't advertise this and he doesn't tell people that he's a hard money lender, but if you're in real estate or if you're in investing, you're going to have to start asking these questions about people. And you're going to have to start getting out there and being uncomfortable with asking money questions. You know, sometimes people don't like to talk about money questions. And maybe because I'm a real estate agent, I just fly right through it and don't have any problem asking people their personal business or how much money they make or, you know, how much can they afford. That's just something that's in my nature because of what I do. But this is something that if you want to be an investor, you're going to have to start asking these questions too. Hey, Dave, how did you get started? Hey, Dave, do you how many properties do you own? Do you have any rentals? How did you do this? Do you do you go to the tax sales? How do you acquire these? Do you lend hard money? How much money do you lend? Who do you lend it to? Like I will ask all kinds of questions and I will get phone numbers of people. That kind of leads me into another thing. I went last night. You want to know where the money is? Here's how I get the money. Here's how I get the people. I have a friend who I do all sorts of things with this friend. We do property management. We do, we go try to find properties to buy. We do tax sales. We do all kinds of stuff. Um, so I went with him last night at his request. He said, hey, I've just moved to this town. I want to go to this town hall meeting. I have already asked to join this society and that, you know, building and permits and all this stuff so that he can become a part of the city and a part of the decision-making process, wisely so. So he wanted to drag me along so that I could gain the information and the knowledge too and make those connections. We try to help each other that way. And I did. I went to this meeting and sure enough, who is at the meeting but the mayor? Who is there but, you know, everybody in the town who is important? Everybody in the town who has money. Everybody in the town who's an investor is there at that meeting. So of course, I'm passing out my business card and I've actually met a few of these guys from previous experiences. We go to this local place and we just chit chat and, and it's kind of a local watering hole slash like connected investors meetup <laughs> where we all get together and we just talk real estate for hours while drinking heavily. Tons of fun. But yeah, so I've, I've met all these people once or twice. I last night decided let's get phone numbers. Let's go ahead and talk business. One of them is a real estate agent who is the realtor for a local guy in town who's a doctor. He owns more than half of the town. He is now in his 80s, almost approaching 90, and he's trying to sell half the town all at once. So it's, it's kind of created a stir in the neighborhood. And I, all I could say was, hey, you know, why don't you just try to do it one at a time? I think that this would go over better if you pick something, pick the highest thing maybe, like the hotel. And start there, sell that one thing, and then, you know, let it kind of snowball effect for you. But if you try to sell everything at once, not only does no one have $6.7 million, they may not want all of it. They, they may want just this one over here or this parcel over there. So anyways, lots of talking, lots of elbows rubbed with people, and getting to know new people 
Uh, I don't know if you've read the book, Winning Friends and Influencing People. That's what I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to make new friends and influence people and make the right connections. That's one way for a newly starting out investor to meet the right people, meet the right money, get connected in with the right people to emulate, the right things that you need to be doing in your life, because these people are movers and shakers. They do not mess around. They have high drive, and it shows. Yeah, that's going to be one of my key things to say, to take out of this, is knowing the right people. If you say you don't know anyone, you need to get your butt out there, and you need to be meeting people. You need to be going to the right places to meet the people who have the money. I just do not know how you could be calling yourself an investor and not know at least someone who has money. If it's not you, you need to go find some people who have money or you're never going to be an investor of any kind. Okay, so the next thing that I think we should touch base on is if you don't have excellent credit, if you don't have tons of money to invest, you don't have you know a good down payment, what other way can you get into it? Okay, so here's another option for you. I like to partner up. I like to, not only because it saves me money, it cuts my money cost in half because now someone else is coming up with half the down payment um, or however we work it out. There have been scenarios where another investor provides 100% of the money, 100%. I'm the one who does 100% of the work. I do all of the research. I find the properties. I do go to the closing. I do all of everything. You name it. I'm just a a little rat who runs around looking for my cheese. I've partnered with people that they have the money, they come up with it, they pay for closing, they do all of the, the money stuff, including rehab and repairs. And then at the end, we split it 50 50. Yes, they've come up with 100% of the money, but I've come up with all of the work. Therefore, in my book, that's, that's a 50 50 split. My, my knowledge of everything that I do is worth at least 50%, if not more. Um, and they can argue otherwise all day long. But when I show it to them on paper, it's always, yeah, I'll split it with you 50-50. Again, I could talk stories of who I've done this with and how we've done it all day long. But I digress. If you are the one that doesn't have the money and you've got the knowledge, hook up with somebody who has plenty of the money. Don't hook up with somebody who barely can, is scraping by and can barely keep it together themselves. Find yourself someone who is going to not have problems with loaning you not just the money to buy the place, but also the money to do the rehab, fix it up. There are so many costs to consider, closing costs, interest paid on loans, and things of that nature, your your property taxes, and things that we just don't touch base and cover as far as the cost all the time, but they're definitely in there. Along with real estate fees and marketing fees, When you go to list a property, I don't care who you are, you've got to pay somebody to put that thing on the market and and market it for you and and get the listing going and have the the tenants vetted. Um, You also have to pay to do the application fees, the background checks. All of this stuff costs money. Again, knowing who you're partnering with and being able to partner with somebody who's going to be able to facilitate the money part if that's not what you're coming up with. Another thing I would say about your partner is you need to find yourself someone who is on the same page with you. It's I've worked with partners that in the past that uh, we thought we were on the same page at first, and it was all well and good when we first started out. But then the first problem that came up, we saw things differently. 
my my one partner on a job in East Point, we ran into a plumbing issue that was going to cost $10,000. It was a huge issue. And my partner did not have that kind of money. And neither did I. And we were like, "Uh oh, well, we're just going to sell the house. He said, let's just sell the house as is. There's nothing else we can do. It's just the end of the world. There's, you know, no solution. I, on the other hand, thought, whoa, (laughs) wait a minute here. I think we can borrow money from somewhere just long enough to fix it up and then sell the house and make the profit that we want to make. I think that's a better idea. I think we should do that. And we really did butt heads. It was unfortunate. Now, I will tell you this. The only thing that saved that entire situation was that I was the one who wrote the contract. Oh, here's another tidbit for you guys. Always be the one who writes the contract. If you're not the one who writes the contract, how the heck do you know what's in it and what to put in it? So I wrote in the contract that if there was ever a disagreement between me and this partner, I carry 51% of the, the weight, therefore I make the decision, not the partner. So I had to, at some point when he started you know, saying, no, we're going this way. I'm like, no, no, we're not. We're going to have to do this because this is what the contract says. Contract says, you got to listen to me. We are going to finish this. We are going to borrow the money. We are going to do the work. And sure enough, we didn't even have to pay the bill until after the house closed and we made our money. So after that, once we went to the closing table a few weeks later, then we were able to pay the plumber and it was all worked out. Again, you have to be on the same page with your partners. You can't just be figuring out on the fly how you're going to run your business. You have to know in advance. And when I partner up, I like to go into great detail as far as how we're partnering up, what this entails, what is expected of each of us. It's great if you have all this stuff in the contract. And if you don't know how to write contracts yet, you dang well better learn. You're an investor. What are you doing? So I know when you got started in this, you found someone with money and you became, for lack of a better term, the builder, but really you're the rehabber. Like a builder, you found people who did roofing and plumbing and electrical and kitchens and all this other stuff. If someone listening is not the you. How would they do all this? It's trial and error. It's, It's definitely trial and error. I have gone through, I don't know how many flooring specialists, flooring companies, I hooked somehow into this one. Um, He's, first of all, local in my area. Second of all, he's got the best prices anywhere around. Like, he, you just, he can't beat his prices no matter what. That in and of itself kind of forces me, when you're dealing with an investor, nine times out of ten, you're dealing with somebody who is stingy, greedy, won't pay for crap. You know what I mean? Like, they will just squeeze those nickels. So that's who I'm dealing with always. They want me to find the cheapest price. I always end up dealing with this flooring guy. And Dave is the best. He's, he has great guys. They do good work. And he has the best prices on the best material. So there's no really getting around. You have three items and you can only sacrifice two of the three. So you have quality, you have the time it takes, or you have price. So you can have a good job done at a good price, but it may take longer time-wise. Or, or you can do something super, super quick and have it done okay, but it's going to cost you a, a fortune. You see what I'm saying? So there's three things that come into any project. And of course, you have to figure out how much of, of that you're going to get for the person. I've also got a great HVAC guy. How did I find him? He was given to me. He was just handed to me and said, hey, I know a HVAC guy. Use this guy. 
and he has been the best guy. I've been using him for 25 years, and he's as honest as the day is long. He's definitely not the cheapest. He's hardly ever the cheapest. He's usually right around there at the same price that everybody else is charging. He's a professional, so he charges what he charges, and so does everybody else. He may be two or three hundred dollars cheaper every single time, but he's still going to be right around there in the same price range as everybody else. I don't use him because he's the cheapest. I use him because he's the most honest. I can send him to a job and I don't even, like I can say, okay, I left the key under the the mat. I don't have to be there. I know he's done the work. I know that it's done right. You know, I can trust in it and I can trust in him. He doesn't do crazy things. He's not, you know, on any kind of crazy drugs. He just does the work and, you know, then he expects to be paid, of course. So, yeah, he's one of my best contractors. And I have contractors like that for pretty much every trade for roofing, for carpentry, for painting, for flooring, for everything you can imagine plumbing. It just goes on and on. Yeah. And again, depending on what it is that I need, from whichever tenant is calling me with whichever problem or whichever remodel I have to get done on whichever property, I have a team. I love my team and I can trust my team, but it took me 20 years to build my team. And it's not something that comes easy. Maybe we should talk about that next time in another podcast as far as how to build your team, because that's another topic that is well worth talking about. You can't really even get started in this until you build your team. How are you going to do anything, even starting right out of the gate on your very first property, unless you hire the right people to do the work? How are you going to hire, you know, or get your your property manager to take care of your properties unless you hire the right one? And again, knowing what to do right out of the gate is going to save you the 20 years it cost me to do what I do. Um, I, I did everything wrong first to get where I'm at and know what to do right. And so I'm hoping that everybody listening today is just skipping all that wrongness and doing the right thing, finding the right people. Okay, so hard money loans and private money loans. These are two types of loans that, like I said, most people have never heard of. But outside of traditional lending, outside of going to your bank to get a loan, outside of going to a mortgage company to get a mortgage, There are lenders out there that are not going to put it on your credit. They're not going to put it, you know, out there and and it be out in the world that you have so-and-so mortgage and you have so-and-so debt. This is a private, off-the-table sort of thing, which real mortgage, traditional mortgages hate. So the difference between the private lender and a hard money lender is going to be this. A private money lender is going to be less painful than a hard money lender. They're both private money. They're both not traditional lending. They're both not going to be financial institutions, but they're going to be people. They're going to be, sometimes it is a company, like Lima One is a company, New Silver is a company, some of these other, Kogo, um, some of these other companies are companies, but they're not mortgage companies. They're hard money companies, which hard money has a higher interest rate, It has, a, as we said, a shorter term, but the difference between traditional lending is these two structures of private and hard, and the difference between private money and hard money is that hard money is harder, and it's with strangers, people you don't know. Private money is private because you're the one who knows about this private money, not everybody else on earth, 
because it's your cousin, your uncle, your friend, your pastor, your whoever, someone you know, it's private money that not everybody else can get. It's not hard like hard money is because they're your buddy. They're going to give you a better interest rate, right? At least that's in my experience. In my experience, the friends that I deal with that are also investors, the people that I have from my church that have lent me money, the people that I have from my community that have lent me money, the people that I have from being a real estate agent, other realtors, other brokers, these people, yeah, they're business people, but they're people I know. And they're people that have dealt with me because they understand my product, they understand my business, my brand, they understand what I'm doing in life, where I'm going, and how I'm getting there. And they have faith in the fact that, oh, this is a good thing to do. It's not like they've ran my credit. None of them ever have. They have no idea what my credit looks like. They don't know if it's, you know, awesome or what. But they have faith on me based on my actions, not what my credit score is. They have faith on me based on, nine times out of ten, the deal. I could be Joe Schmo, not know anything about anything, not be an investor, not be anyone at all. But if I'm your local village idiot who happens to have a deal for $5,000 and it's a $100,000 house, oh, come on, you know they're going to do business with anybody who has the right deal. Again, there was a time where I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge, but I definitely had the right deal. And I definitely knew that I had the right deal. And knowing that you have something is power. I did not take any bad deals or bad interest rates because I knew that the, the deal that I had in hand was something that was so special that they weren't going to walk away and that they were going to do the deal with me simply because I'm the only one who has that deal, just like they're the only one I know right now with money. So to do the, the deal together made sense for both of us. And if you're doing deals that are good deals, it's going to make sense for both parties. You have to make sure that they do get something out of it, but so do you. Um, I think that would cover pretty much all of the forms of lending. We've got wholesaling until you get there. We've got private and hard money. We've got partnering up. I'll try to think of some more ways. I'm sure there's more ways, like the tax sales and just going and taking a little bit of cash. There are other ways again, to get into this. And sometimes they just fall in your lap. I can tell you times where deals have just fallen in my lap that didn't even require money, just required a little bit of ingenuity in order to get the deal done. And we, maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast, you know, doing things a little outside of the box. But for now, I think that that is about covered all of the ways to find non-traditional money from non-traditional sources when it's not your credit, your money. We'll try to update that and do another topic about that in the future. But for now, I think that covers another podcast. You've been listening to Real Estate with Wendy podcast. Have a good day.